what, we, what we're reminded of this morning is that, that hope was born for all of us. And that hope is for us, and he came to bring us hope. Because without it, just as the video says, we have no hope on our own. We can't get there by ourselves. And our theme today is he was willing to be hope for us. He was willing to do this amazing thing by being born in human form for our benefit. So if you've got your Bibles, go to Isaiah 53, and you're going to think, are we doing Easter on, right before Christmas? Well, I, I think you've got to think about this. Um, he was willing to come. How many of you have been willing to do something, something for somebody and it wasn't your thing? You, you, you went someplace. How many of you have eaten food that you, would, you, just, you did it because you loved them? There you go. All right. Well, you know, most of you know we, are, we have a daughter, and shockingly, she likes to play dress up. I know. And she likes to put on makeup. Now, I don't have any pictures of me, her doing that to me, because it's not going to happen. But she's wanted to do that. But... Um, she begged and pleaded with my father to paint his nails. And so I want you to see this. This is true. Can we show that? Um, my dad must love her because he, you know. Now, the cool thing is, I don't know if the photo shows you. He's painting. Now, what you understand, there's, those are two different photos. He painted them. She painted them twice. Go back. Show them. Different shirt. Different shirt. Yeah. My dad was willing to do that for her. Uh, I have been willing to, um, most of you are adults, uh, there's a, there are dolls called LOLs. Anybody know what those are? Yeah, kid, I already heard it. Oh, I love those. Okay. Uh, so at night when I tuck my girl in, we have routines and we do a lot of playing. And, but here recently she's wanted to, Dad, I want you to play with the LOLs with me, but don't be weird. Because I come up with weird names and I talk all kind of weird. And she's like, can you just be real? Can you just not be weird? I'm like, I can't. I've tried, honey. And so every time we played dolls, she's like, don't be weird. And, but I, I can't. I, I've tried. The point is that we've been willing to do stuff for people all of our lives. Whether you're, it's in marriage, in parenting, friendships, coworkers, church family. We've been willing to do stuff that maybe we wouldn't normally do or we wouldn't want to do. I know my dad probably didn't want to get his nails painted, but he was like, okay. Uh, when I was a youth pastor, I got my nails painted at camp. And I mean, and you're wearing flip-flops and people are looking at you and you got, you're getting that look. And then you have to explain it. Really, I did this for my students. Right. You know. <laughs> and so our theme today is, is that he was willing. And we're going to be looking... And, and the willing that I want you to see is what he was willing to endure for us. What he was willing to take on for us. And so when you think about the birth of our Savior, you, you've got to kind of rethink it. Because I don't know about, if you're like me, I see Christmas very nostalgically. I do. I see it very nostalgically. Birth of our Savior, shepherds, it's peaceful, it's quiet. Um, it's rejoicing, it's joy, it's, it's Mary and Joseph, it's baby Jesus, but he doesn't stay a baby, and he came for a purpose. That, because I think sometimes we get that story of, of, of Jesus being born, and it's like, certainly that's important, and that's something to celebrate, but there was a reason. We talked about that last week. 
there was a reason that he had to be born. There was a purpose behind this. It wasn't just for him to come in and see what it was like. He had a reason. He had a plan for this. And so some of it is taking Christmas and reconnecting it to Easter. Because I think sometimes we forget that. Because they're separated and celebrated several months apart. We typically celebrate Christmas now in December and then Easter, depending on when it falls in the calendar. I think next year it's sometime in mid-April. But they've always been connected. But sometimes, can you agree that we sometimes we kind of forget that they're not connected, but they are? They're connected. And we kind of forget that sometimes, and that there was a reason by it, and we get very nostalgic about it. And so we want to kind of help maybe connect those dots back again that he was willing, and you're going to see what he was willing to do. And so if you're in Isaiah 53, we're going to look at just verses 1 through 12, and we're going to kind of unpack these. It says, this chapter describes the life of Jesus, which culminates with Jesus sacrificing himself on the cross to pay the price of sin for our salvation. Remember, he was willing to do that. He wasn't drug up there. He was willing to do that for us. So as you listen to these words, I want you to think about that hope came in the form of a child for all of us. And when you think about this candle sitting here, that and, and I want, the first part of this, I want you to think about that that candle, the, the birth of Christ was, was only announced to a few, was announced to people who were, you know, you would, it, wasn't in the, it wasn't public. It was very like, let's invite these people, let's invite these people, and let's, you know, it was a very small group of people that got to, to be a part of this. There wasn't this big trumpet sound, and, but Jesus, the, the lighting of this candle represents that, that hope was born, and that he was willing to do this. He was willing to be light to a hopeless world. And so let's look at this. And this is in Isaiah, starting in 53, starting in verse 1. It says this. It says, Who has believed what he has heard from us? And whom has the arm of the Lord, and the arm of the Lord is just simply power, has been revealed? For he grew up, and this is talking about Jesus, for he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. And the dry ground, he was talking about the climate and the culture where he was, was really spiritually dead. He had no form of majesty that we should look upon him and no beauty and that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and has of one form from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. And so Jesus comes into our world with no fanfare, simple life, no one really noticed no one went, oh, wow, that's the Savior of the world. A select few got the privilege of seeing that. But most were like, I don't know, their Savior was born? And you get this idea that he was despised. He was rejected. He was acquainted with sorrow and grief. He was willing to take all that. As a baby, he's coming into this world to bring hope to bring light to a dark world that is dry spiritually, that is going nowhere on its own. And he says, I am willing to do that for you. My birth, if given the opportunity, can radically change your life. But if, we, if you know the story, that there was a lot of people that just, they rejected him. I mean, if you're, if you're with me on Wednesday nights, you know that. 
they are rejecting him. And I love what it says. Henry Blackaby said this. He says, we have to recognize that sin is a fact, not a defect. Sin is red-handed mutiny against God. And, and I think we forget that the, his birth was to, to reconcile that sin with all of us. And, I, you know, we, we all struggle with this. I, I'm not that bad, Danny. I hear probably weekly, weekly, They'll, somebody will tell me something horrendous about a family member, coworker, and they go, Danny, they're really not that bad. Actually, we are. We just don't like that term. We are. We're all broken. We're all mired in sin. We all have stuff, and nothing gets well without Jesus. It just doesn't. And how do we know that? Let's keep reading. Verse 4. He says, Surely... He was bore our griefs and has carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought, look what it did. Oh, I love this. What he took on for us, what he willingly took on, gives us a benefit. It gives us a benefit. Look at what it says. It brought us, what's the word? Peace. Peace on earth and goodwill to men. He came, he brought peace, he brought hope. He brought stuff that people couldn't get on their own. He says, he brought, he took on our iniquities. He took on the crushing weight of sin. He was pierced for that. He was pierced for us. How many of you have ever been defended by somebody they, they, they defended you, and they took on, they, they're like, That's, no, that would never, my baby would never do that. Or, no, you're not, you know, I'm, I'm going to defend you because you're defenseless. And that's what Jesus was doing. He was defending us as defenseless. He was willing to do whatever it needed to be done to make it right for us. I love this. And then the, the, the benefit of that is not anything that I did. It's what Jesus did. It says, and he brought on us peace. And with his wounds, we are what? Say it loud. Healed. We are healed by what he did, by what he willingly endured. And so when you get that, that beautiful picture, and most of your Christmas cards have a manger scene. We've had slides. We've got a slide up there now. has a manger scene on it. It gives you this beautiful image of the birth of our Savior Lord. And when we start to take that and connect it back, the marrying up with the cross, you realize that he was willing to do all of this for us. I don't know about you, but I would not want to step out of heaven. He lived in paradise in heaven. He didn't have to deal with all this stuff. And he chose willingly to do that for us. He willingly did that for us. And I love this because it, it, you see what, by his wounds, we get peace and we get healing. And you know what that great thing about that? That's not, a, that's not just a, a salvation moment. That's kind of a reoccurring thing. Because I don't know about you, but don't you need some peace more often than just once? You do. Isn't there sometimes you need some healing too? Don't you? And a God that provides that peace is also providing the healing, and it, it's, just, it's a reciprocal. He just keeps adding. He just keeps going. And that, that moment of salvation certainly brings you peace and certainly heals you from your sins, 
But I, last I checked, I've been following God for a long time, but man, I still got sin that I've, I get stuck with, and I need healing, and I need restoration. And He's in the business of doing that for us. If you've got a, the note pages there, if you want to jot down a few things, I want to give you a couple things. The heart of this passage is the innocent save servant dying as the sacrifice for sin. That Jesus was willing to endure all of that to be the perfect sacrifice that was required. The transfer of guilt needed a sinless, perfect sacrifice, and without it, we got no salvation. And so Jesus, Isaiah, gives us this beautiful picture that he was willing to do all of that for us, all of us this morning. Why was he willing to do that? Isaiah points it out that he knows what we're prone to do. Verse 6, how do we know? He's got this plan. He goes, he was willing to do this because, verse 6 says, all, all of us, we are like sheep who have gone astray. Remember, we've talked about this a lot. Sheep are notoriously wanderers. They're going to go wherever it looks like a good place to go. Um, I have a beagle named Buddy. And if you own a beagle, if you know anything about beagles, uh, they are kind of scent-driven actually a lot scent driven. My dog, and I've seen this, my dog, if he gets on the scent of a rabbit, changes into another dog. It's pretty entertaining to see it because his nose starts to, you can actually hear him sniffing because he, and, it, and his tail starts to quiver like this. And I'm not kidding, I've seen this. The rabbit could be sitting right three feet from him but his scent is driving him so hard that he literally has to follow the scent all the way. And I've had him, and I'm like, buddy, rabbit. He is so scent-driven, he can't even look to the left and go, oh, it's right there. He's got to follow all the way over to that. And so because of that, I know that my dog can rarely, if ever, be off-leash for that reason. I just know him. That if I, like if we go for a walk in High Park, uh, he's never going to be off leash. It'd be like, see you later, boy. Have a good time. Um, but he is so scent driven, he, he's prone to wandering. Like he would wander right out into the street and not realize that a car could do bad things. He just knows that. And uh, he, I mean, he doesn't know that. I know that. So I keep him on a leash. And wandering sheep aren't, they're just, they're just wander wherever their desires take them. Wherever it looks, oh, that looks like a good place. Let's go over there. And it's an amazing thing about sin. Sin tends to take you astray. And I, I'm reminded of that. So let's read this verse 6. It says, all we are like sheep who have gone astray. And here, and some of us go, I'm not a sheep, Danny. I hate to tell you this. The fact that we're referenced this way tells you that we are. We are sheep who have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. It's funny because your way is going to be different than mine, but I'm prone, to, I'm prone to wandering, and so are you, all of us. You can think about whatever causes you to go astray and that tendency to lean that way. Whatever it is, it's yours and it's personal to you. Now, we might have some of us where we might have some similarities, but Isaiah is pointing out pretty clearly that his own way, that it, it's affecting you personally. And he says, the Lord has laid on him, not you, not me, the iniquity of us all. 
that Jesus was willing to take all of that on for you and me. And I was trying to encapsulate all of that, and so I wrote this, and, and this might give you some clarity, and I wrote this. Wandering sheep rarely wander to Jesus. Think, just soak on that for just a second. They more often wander to their own desires. Jesus paid the penalty for that wandering. If you don't hear anything else I say, you need to write that down. Because wandering sheep rarely wander to Jesus. They typically wander to whatever it is is got them going, their own thing. And He came willingly to redeem us for our wanderings. Our wanderings, guys, don't have to be catastrophic things. They can be simple things like anger, resentment, bitterness, gossip, laziness. They can be self-righteousness. Envy, pride, take your pick. And he came and took that all on for us. And so listen to this, let's finish this out. He says, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that was led to slaughter and like a sheep that has been sheer, that in shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away. And as for his generation who considered that he was cut out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgressions of my people, and they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there is no deceit in his mouth, yet it was the will that God had a plan and his son was the plan. There's not one parent in here that would willingly subject their children to affliction, piercing, torment, rejection. None of you would. I wouldn't. You would not subject your child to that. And so I think sometimes we forget that the father willingly allowed his son, and his son willingly came. And think about that, just that, that the father had to watch all of this play out the pain of watching your son be rejected, be afflicted, be pierced, be nailed on a cross, to take on the, the full weight of sin of mankind and willingly watch that happen. Willingly. Verse 10 says, Yet the will of the Lord to crush him, he put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for the guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days. He of the Lord will shall prosper in his land. Out of the anguish of his soul, he will see and be satisfied. By this knowledge shall the righteous one be servant, make many to be accountable righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him and portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he has poured out the soul to the death, and it was numbered with the transgressors. And I love the end of that verse. Yet, the, yet he bore the sin of many and makes the intercession for the transgressors. Transgressors, That Jesus was willing to do that for us, that we needed somebody and it wasn't us to do that. And so I kind of went through and I said, I took all of those verses and you think about that baby that was born and I want you to think about that he was willing to do this. To be subjected 
to be subjected to human form, to be despised, to be rejected, to be abandoned by his disciples, to just subject himself to hatred and violence, to be subjected to the horror of the cross, to be pierced, to carry the weight of sin, to have his father turn from him because of that sin. He was willing to be born to do that. If you don't get anything, then you ought to be thankful. God, thank you that your son was willing to do that. Why was he willing to subject himself? Why was Jesus willing to subject himself to all of that? Then I wrote this down. He did this willingly so that you and I can live secure knowing that no matter what we face, we are perfectly and eternally loved by him. And let me help you out. That is amazing grace. That his willingness to endure all that. Because when we, when we only have the baby image, we don't realize that that's the Savior image that we should be taking on. That whenever you look at a manger scene, you ought to be thinking, that is the Savior of the world. That that guy is about to do some stuff. He's about to re step into people's lives. And he is still in the redeeming business. Hasn't stopped. And so if you invite somebody to our Christmas Eve service, they go, I'm not doing that. Okay. That doesn't mean he still doesn't save people. That still doesn't mean he's not redeeming people. You just did your part. If they don't, if they don't, if they don't want to go, okay. You know what? We're still going to talk about Jesus. Even if they don't show. We're still going to celebrate. And even if the people are interested, not interested in spiritual things, Jesus is still the Savior of the world. That hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. He did this willingly so that you and I can live secure knowing that no matter what we face, we are perfectly and eternally loved by Him. You need, to be, you need to remember that you are loved by Him when you don't get it right spiritually, when you are spiritually dying. Some of you have not cracked your Bible open since last Sunday. I know because I have a phone app that tells me. <laughs> I have your attention. <laughs> the point I'm making is that even when you don't, He still loves you. I know that you go through seasons spiritually. I know. And he wants you to know that in those weaker moments, he's still, you're still his child. And if you're not, if you don't have a relationship with him, you need to know that he willingly came for you. He wants you to have that relationship. And I love this because look at where this takes us now. You're going, where are we going now? Going to Hebrews. Hebrews 12. Go there real quick. Now we're going to put this into overdrive. Because you get all of this that Jesus was willing to do. And I love what Hebrews 12 talks about. You've got to kind of see Hebrews 11 and 12. Great verse chapters if you ought to read them. And so look at what it says. If you join me with me later this year, you will, you will read them. It says this. Therefore, that therefore is actually attached to chapter 11, but I'm going to use it here because I think it, it fits. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin. See, now weight is a funny thing. Weight can be not just physical weight. Weight can be just, you've just got too much going on. Uh, you, you can't say no. You've you got your to-do list, the weight of uh, expectations, the weight of work, the weight of church, the weight of whatever it is, marriage, family, parenting. Weight wears you down and keeps you down and gets you tired. 
And the other thing that he said was sin. Now, if sin in this particular instance was talking back to chapter 11 because he talked about their faith and that oftentimes sin is connected to just unbelief that I, I, don't, I don't believe that God can work in here. I don't think God can do this. I don't think I can do that. And so he's talking about, he says, let us lay aside. It means, it means set them down. Surrender them. If it's sin issue, bring it to the, bring it to the manger. Jesus is willing to handle it. He's willing to take care of it. Do something with it. If it's weight of something and saying, God, I can't, but you can here. And I love what it says. Let me, fin- let me back up. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before. I don't know about you, but if you've got all that, it is really hard to finish the race that Christ has for you. It's hard. If you're carrying weight and sin and, and you're just kind of trying to plow through, you just, you, what I, you just, you have spiritual exhaustion and just physical exhaustion and mental exhaustion and, and exhaustion just kind of pulls you down. And he says, let's, let's run this race. The Savior of the world was willing to come so that you could finish your race, so that you could be, you could finish well. And he says, look, he says, clings to, because he, he knows that, that, that the weight and sin cling to you really bad. And he says, he has a race for you to run, to finish well. And if he was willing to come, that means he was going to give you the resources to run the race that he set out for all of us this morning. So verse 2 says, and, he, and he, he tells you where to look. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured for sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. He was willing to come to take on stuff so you don't have to. Now, I don't know about you, but we're notorious for picking up stuff that we're not supposed to. Have you ever grabbed a hold of stuff and you said, I should probably have not done that? And here he is saying... The willing Savior of the world was came so that you could finish your race well. He says, let me have that. Stop trying to fix it. I can do this. I came. I can, I can make this happen. Just let me have it. And he's trying to point out this fact that we try to help him too much. Now, when I was growing up, I, I always, you know, you want to be the helper, but the, aren't the times you're going, if I let you help, it's going to take twice as long and it's going to be way messier. Am I right? This is how it is. And Jesus is saying the same thing to us today as students, adults, children, doesn't matter. It's like, let me have it and trust me with it. Because I think the times we want to help is we're thinking, well, God, I need to do my part. I need to contribute in some way. And what Jesus is saying is, I was willing to come, then let me help and let me have it so you can finish your race well. Lean in on me. Stop trying to carry it all. Because when you try to carry it all, you're not going to get there. You can't run that race on that, on that journey without giving some of that to Him. Okay, so let's finish this out. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for who by the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. Consider Him who endured for sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. I don't know about you, but people get around Christmas time, they get weary and faint-hearted. Expectations, all that kind of stuff starts to 
to, weir- to come in on you. And you maybe you've gotten to the end of this year and you thought, man, I had great plans to really, my relationship with Christ to mature and grow. And it just, I got sidetracked this year. I'm going to tell you like I tell my daughter, tomorrow's a new day. Start tomorrow. Tomorrow's a new day. If you've had a rotten year spiritually this year, tomorrow can be a new day. But it takes a surrendering. It takes a God, you are willing to come, then I need to, I need to take that willingness and harness that and live accordingly. I need to surrender. I need to do some business. Whatever it is. So that you don't get weary and faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is, it's funny because sin for us is it's easy. It's, you know, like I can give up some things, but man, are, can you really give it up? Jesus was sacrificing blood for us. Most of us aren't willing to sacrifice to that level. And I love what he says. I love what he says in verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? And I would add as daughters. Have you forgotten? See, when you get weary and fatigued and sin burdened, you forget, and you, f- you forget the willingness of the Savior to be born to take care of all that. He was the perfect prescription for all of that. But you have to take it. You have to be willing to take what He brings. And He says, have you forgotten? The reason that we're prone to forgetting is because we're weary and we're faint-hearted and we're burdened by, you know, I just got to get this area cleaned up. I just need to... See, sin, Satan loves to use guilt as a great tool to keep you from a healthy relationship with Christ. He loves to pile on the guilt. You haven't read your Bible all week. How dare you show up at church today? How dare you? You're going to do that Bible plan? I got news for you. You're going to fail like you've done every other year. And you don't, if you don't think that's true, pick one of those up and start with me in January 1. And you'd see how the enemy will start to attack you. The enemy does not want you growing in your relationship. He wants you to flounder. He wants you to be weary. He wants you to be faint-hearted. He wants you to forget the willingness of the Savior of the world to redeem us. He wants you to forget that Jesus is for you, not against you. He wants you to forget that. He wants you to forget that that Savior that was born, it was for somebody else. No, he was for you. And I I wrote these things down. Maybe they'll help you because they're helping me. Preparation, participation, and perseverance. I know there are four, three Ps, but they work. Preparation, pray, read, examine. Okay? If you're not going to do my plan, do something. Have a plan. Okay? You can't can't just kind of do this spiritual journey thing kind of like, well, I'll just see how it goes. Man, you've got too much technology. You've got too many things at your disposal. And I'm just giving you something simple. Just read through the New Testament with me. Pray, read, examine. See where your heart is with God. Preparation, participation in church life. Man, take a step beyond this time and jump into a life group Sunday morning, Sunday night. Jump into a life group. Students, I don't, wherever you are, take a step. Disciple somebody next year. Spend some time with somebody else. Get, get some guys and gals or something and start spending time in the Word. Do some stuff. Participation. 
more than just this time. The last one is, is probably all of them are important. Perseverance. Reflect Jesus in the trials of life. You know, it is so challenging to live in a state of joy when your life is in upside down. But let me tell you, you can find joy and you can rest in joy that even if your life is upside down, Jesus is still the Savior of the world. He came to bring good news and joy. And that hasn't changed for any of us. And even if you're going through health things or parenting things or marriage things or physical things or financial things, whatever spiritual things, whatever they may be, he still can bring joy even in the midst of the crazy. I, I, I equate it to a hurricane. The eye of a hurricane is what? What's, in the, what's, what's happening in the eye? Completely calm. Completely calm. Completely calm. Everything around it, though, is wind and rain and storms and hurricanes and tornadoes. All of that is going on around it. Depending on how large the eye is, everything inside it is completely calm. And you can find joy resting in that, in the crazy going on around you, that there's, there's a place that, that Jesus came willingly to bring you that, because we all need it. And he willingly came to bring you peace and joy and hope. He came to, to, to help you with the weariness and that faint-heartedness. He came to heal you from your sin. He came to restore me, to redeem me. And that's kind of a reciprocal thing with him. But it's, are you going you're gonna to take the Jesus that was born and the willingness and say, I'm harnessing that because that's real power. <laughs> that's real power. Let me close with this. Where you place your trust will determine the strength of your endurance. Hear that. Where you place your trust will determine the strength of your endurance because if it's on you, um, you're, you're going to need some more batteries. I'm just telling you. If Jesus willingly endured the cross, he can certainly provide the strength you and I need to finish well. If Jesus can handle the cross, if he was willing to do all that, he can help you in any situation. It may seem dark and bleak, but he plans to walk with you. It may not get removed, but I know a Jesus who, was willingly, who willingly came and put himself in place to walk with us, to heal us, to redeem us, so that we don't get faint-hearted, so we, we can overcome our sins. He willingly did that, and I pray that you know that today. Let's pray. Father, by your son's transgressions, I am healed. And I say thank you for that. And I ask, God, that there may be some in this room that don't fully understand what that means, and they got questions. And I know that myself or Corey would have no greater honor than to help them understand that the Savior of the world was born willing to take on our transgressions, willing to be pierced, willing to be despised, willing to be rejected, willing to experience sorrow and grief because your son was willing to do that out of love for us. And I ask God that for the next few moments, maybe some of us in here have been long time Christians. We've walked with you for a long time.
but we've grown weary and faint-hearted. We're lamenting loss, maybe spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. Maybe we're just regrets of things we didn't do this year or did do this year. But I am reminded that you are a, a redemptive father and your son came to redeem us willingly. It's just, are we willing to take on that? Are we willing to accept what your son did for us? And as we celebrate Christmas, I celebrate a Savior who was willing to do what we could not do for ourselves. And I pray, God, that we would respond to that accordingly. It's your name that I pray. Amen. I'll ask you to stand myself and Corey.